0: Going, everyone! Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, the podcast. This is your host Matt Sherman. What a beautiful day to be alive, and what a beautiful day to publish this episode with Sean from FlockJ. Sean is the CEO and co-founder of FlockJ. FlockJ is a company that went through Y Combinator, and they were rethinking education. And the future looks very, very bright with them around. I'm really looking forward to this episode, and I hope you're looking forward too. With that, let's get into it. Let's just dive right into it. Uh, we don't have so much time because we like to keep the episodes pretty, pretty tight for the, for the listeners. So let's go into it. Tell the listeners a little bit about FlockJ. What is it?
1: Sure. So we're an online boot camp for tech sales. And we retrain job seekers from a whole host of professions, whether you're in retail sales or insurance sales or most fields outside of technology and train them for roles in tech sales and provide pathways into the industry um, to not only get a job where you double or triple your income, but also set yourself up for a future-proof career.
0: All right. That is... Awesome. Uh, as, as we'll get into it in a little bit in the podcast, I'm a huge fan of education. So we'll get into kind of the model in a bit. But I'm curious, um, education, um, why did you decide to start a company in education? And specifically, why are you focusing on sales to start?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I think education and access broadly have been like big parts of my life personally for as long as I can remember. So even growing up, Uh, opportunities like uh, financial aid and scholarships and private school were things that weren't like readily accessible and only sort of stumbled upon a lot of those in my life. And I think something I realized personally is even sort of navigating my way through the dark to to find some of those things coming out the other side. I still felt um, pretty unprepared for a lot of the real world challenges that uh, your first jobs at a college or even just midway through your career present to you. The things I was learning in the classroom uh, at a high level may have been applicable to the tasks at hand, um, but at like a very specific level in terms of skills and, and requirements, uh, I wasn't feeling like there were a lot of those quote unquote last mile skills that were being taught, just given how fast the world is changing. So I've always been like obsessed with education from that perspective and access to it. And uh, I think the biggest sort of start for how I got interested in technology tech sales and that sort of like class of skills is when I graduated college moved to Chicago for my first job then actually started teaching financial literacy uh, in a nonprofit on the west and south side and financial literacy is one of those things also that just isn't taught anywhere but it's a huge determiner in terms of uh, what creates income inequality and what creates access to sort of financial mobility and, and sort of stability so Been obsessed with these kinds of problems for a long time. Happy to go deeper into sort of how and why that transition to tech sales happened. But suffice it to say, I think there's a massive um, problem and opportunity for founders and innovators to deconstruct what are the skills that are missing in all of our companies and figure out ways to get people ready for them.
0: That's fantastic. Uh, I, I, I love uh, the problem-solving approach. Spe- I mean, speaking of the problem, I'm curious to dive into that. Why do you think this is a, a problem in the first place? What, what, you mentioned that some of these, some skills that are necessary in the workplace are not being taught in um, in colleges and in schools. Why do you feel like, although the need is there to learn some of these skills, like financial literacy or potentially like game theory or negotiation or anything like that, why do you think universities aren't kind of meeting those needs or are they and they're just moving too slow? Like, why is this a problem right now in, in your opinion?
1: Yeah. And so first I'll take a step back and say universities and colleges are playing an essential role in the system right now in many ways. And there's a lot uh, that you experienced in those four years or even two years in college that um, we're all very grateful to be a part of, especially for, um, the fact that like a lot of people don't have access to a four-year or two-year education after high school. That being said, I think there are huge gaps and a lot of the gaps come from incentives that aren't aligned. So if you think about the Office of Career Services at most colleges, even like your top one or two percent, uh, the main opportunities that are still coming into that door are from companies who have the budget and the resources and the connection to get on-campus slots and interviews. And historically, a lot of that has been, you know, opportunities in finance or consulting or banking or any number of of large sort of, you know, Goliath-like institutions. And I think that's presented a pretty skewed picture to the average rising senior in college about what's available for her or for him. When in fact, a lot of the most exciting things you can do coming out of college is take risk, uh, is to try something new, is to work for a smaller company, to work for something impactful to explore your own set of ideas. And I think there's a set of of things that happen where um, graduating college, especially with the debt and sort of burden that college costs, um, you're sort of shepherded into one of these tracks if you're even lucky enough, or you're not shepherded at all because the career service piece of a college isn't directly aligned um, because they've already collected your tuition or they've already billed you for it. So it's a little bit harder for them to go to bat for you if they haven't made their success 100% contingent on you getting a good job. I think the stark reality that's hard for institutions uh, in academia to confront is that more than 90% of students today list getting a good job as the primary reason for going to college, right? And I think there's still an anchoring around like what the college experience should be, right? Philosophically, existentially, but really, most everyone here is, is trying to get a good job. But the tragedy of all this is that um, nearly half, I think it's something like 43% of graduates start underemployed. And of those sort of 43%, 10 years later, half of them remain underemployed. So talk about just like a huge misalignment of incentives where you're taking all this front loaded debt Uh, The college isn't really incentivized to do much for you post that experience. And then for 10 years later, a huge percentage of people are still underemployed. So I think that's the big piece for why um, some of these things aren't being taught, uh, because you have to move fast and you have to be constantly plugged into industry to be able to teach to those things.
0: Yeah, that's that's an interesting insight, and I think 100 percent accurate, and it really outlines the problem that is at hand here. So shifting over to the solution, I'm curious with FlockJ, um, you're you're solving th- th- this gigantic problem. Ideally, like, what's your like with this with this problem? What would you say is your vision for FlockJ, like a decade or two down the line? Um, where do you where are you rowing and where's your destination like you know what I mean like what, what where, where's your place in this whole in this solution? yeah, I think so to, to
1: take a you know take a big picture future oriented view if I'm in my Delorean and fast forward you know 20 30 years into the future and I get out and uh, look at sort of what the world looks like, I think you know a big part of the conversation today is around automation. it's around AI, it's around, Uh, what will will sort of exist for us to do in society versus what will be automated over time, right? And I think the vision for anyone who's in education should be uh, to celebrate the things that we can do as humans and do really well, um, while also using sort of like our ability as humans to use uh, augmented support from AI and automation uh, to help us be more efficient and productive as a society. And so I think our goal is to be in a position where we're training for those set of jobs and roles uh, that will not only be left, but will be in huge demand and celebrated. And I think something really interesting about tech and tech sales in particular is that that human to human connection, that ability of transacting with someone else at the end of the phone or email or in person who is a human has been what we've been doing for thousands of years. And sure, there will be technological systems that augment that, that make that process easier or you know, have less friction or more context. But I think there's still this amazing connection we get from each other, uh, especially as the set of options from which to buy from only gets larger. So I think we're really focused on you know, those kinds of opportunities for people to celebrate their worth and, and participate in the workforce and create as I mentioned, sort of future-proof careers
0: uh, where they can, can continue to grow into different sorts of seeds? You know, at the, at the end of the day, we are social creatures, and we will always be interacting with each other. I also have a strong conviction behind that. Um, that's a, it's a very kind of insightful look into the future, 20, 30 years down the line. If we shift away for a second from education, um, and actually just, just stay in that, in that DeLorean 20 years down the line. What are some other industries, whether it be healthcare, government, technology, future of work, um, and anything that might come to your mind that you think, um, I mean, one, that interests you today, uh, and, and two, you think you're going to be um, just like, there's going to be some interesting companies in those sectors uh, 10, 20 years down the line. Like, what's interesting to you right now outside of education at, at the moment? Yeah, I think one way to
1: think about this is sort of like what are the biggest opportunities and challenges in society today, and how do they get compounded twenty and thirty years later because the incentives aren't aligned for us as a society today to sort of like band together and solve them immediately. And I mentioned, you know, earlier in my life, um, something like financial literacy and sort of like the gaps in income that are created by by access and education, and sort of gaps and sort of like having that knowledge. And so as I think about just like, you know, what is a problem that might continue to persist? It might be things along income inequality. And so unpacking that a bit, what are some root causes of income inequality, some of its education, some of its access, but also there's some things like we're living longer. We have to be productive for larger portions of our lives. We're getting better healthcare. Uh, We're generally just like trying to function in a world where there's just like more competition for resources. And so there are many things that sort of I think about that will be really important in society to figure out in terms of how do we ensure just like uh, purposeful and, and sort of productive participation in society by people. But one thing that's sort of like related to that is that we are living longer and caring for, um, you know, elder sort of members of our community is going to become a really important part of our process, both in terms of um, purpose and like occupation and then also just well-being. And I think startups in and around that ecosystem um, would will be really interested to figure out sort of like how to address that piece. And then similarly, like the beginning of the puzzle is sort of like uh, schooling, right, at an early age. Uh, it's also just something that creates lots of gaps. So are we teaching people the right things uh, in kindergarten and pre-K? And how do we sort of challenge those assumptions so that when they get to a point where they're at Flock J, um, you know, are they ready to sort of partake in, in the world
0: that exists in 20 or 30 years down the line? I actually wanna dive into your, your last statement there about kind of education in the early years. Where, where do you see companies filling the, where do you see companies kind of meeting that need? Um, do, do you find that there is gonna be a model similar to to FlockJ for K through through twelve. Will it be FlockJ? Like, h- how are you thinking about early education for for K through eight or, or K through twelve?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're pretty focused on sort of like our uh, immediate um, need of, of creating upward mobility for folks in the workforce who are um, across a wide variety of ages. And I think the the early yeah. in life problem is a um, is a related one, which you know certainly I think all of us can sort of participate in, but requires a, a set of focus and specialization that I think um, is, is a little bit different. you know I think rather than sort of talking in solution terms, I think just unpacking the problem at an early age in education is really important and a lot has been written around this, but I think it all boils down to similar things that the internet and sort of technology is really good at unpacking, which is um, there is a physical proximity problem in early age education, where depending on where you live in a district or a city or a county, your experience as you know uh, someone in kindergarten can be vastly different than someone less than a mile away. And that's a function of what pre-K you're in and what college you're in, you know, what kindergarten you're in and so on and so forth. And I remember a few years ago, the New York Times did a, like an actual like actuarial study on what a kindergarten teacher should be paid just given their compounding mm-hmm. worth. And it was something like a quarter million dollars or something in those terms. Just like the impact that you can make to someone's yeah. life that early is massive. And so if most of this is sort of like a physical proximity, like whether you're fortunate enough to live in this district versus that district and have this school versus that school, um, you can imagine that like the internet and technology can play an amazing role in, in organizing a whole different bunch of creative solutions um, and that we will figure this out as a society, but that's sort of where this Problem.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. I, I, uh, taking a problem-oriented kind of mindset versus pushing a solution is, is always uh, definitely more effective because um, solutions will change, problems. Uh, problems won't. So cool, well I have a couple more questions for you. Um, this, this next one is a newer question that, I, that I'm gonna start asking um, people that come on. Um, but I think it's interesting. So you have this unique insight um, into kind of tech because you, you're in it, you're a leader in tech, you're building the future, you probably know other companies building the future. So if you were a angel investor and you had a, you $100,000 to write a check into, into one company that, that most people haven't heard of yet, but that you believe are, is going to be the, one of the most influential companies in the next like two decades outside of FlockJ. Um, who would you bet on? Like who, who, is, some, who is a company that you, are, you you see the potential of that, that isn't obvious to everyone yet and who would you put that money into?
1: That's a really great question. Uh, I think a premise in that question is that there is you know, one company or a set of companies like top of mind. And as you know, uh, as you're sort of like, Uh, brother-in-arms and sort of this journey that is being an entrepreneur it's it's so much at this stage less about the company and more about the founder Uh, and so something that i've just seen you know leading flock j building an environment that's inclusive and accessible to people with cognitive and identity diversity i mean we have students from basically all 50 states all ranges a huge sort of swath of professions who are all incredibly motivated to break into tech and, you know, by the way, they're, they're showing up because they want to be tech sales professionals and want to work in the industry, but they're incredibly entrepreneurial. And many of them are people I would invest in personally, just like sight unseen, just given how they're showing up. And so I think like to answer your question, to me, in terms of where I would allocate my dollars, it would just be to individuals uh, who I have strong signals on, who are doing programs like this, uh, who are investing in themselves. Particularly in areas outside of sort of like the coastal hubs. Matt, you're in Phoenix. There's a lot of really exciting things happening in Phoenix. Like I think there are so many different cities, like Phoenix, like Denver, like Austin, uh, like Atlanta, uh, that get me really, really excited. Like Detroit, and we have flock J students from all those areas. And so I am most excited about the pent up potential. Um, for finding people who are extremely motivated, who are signaling to themselves and others that they're investing in themselves and invest in, and, you know, we as a business, our entire model is to invest in that. So in many ways I am doing exactly what you're asking every day. Like we are investing upfront in a completely free education to get people jobs and aligning on an outcome for us to, to, to get paid only if they get a job. Right. So that's how I think about investing as an angel investor. We're doing it. Literally every day, and each of our startups is an individual in,
0: in one of these places. That is a fantastic answer. Uh, I, I love it. Um, it's like I would, I would say is you are an angel investor, and you're just like you're helping, you're changing all of these these students' lives, and you're skilling them up, and you're getting them work, and you're they're you're helping doubling their salaries. So I think yeah. that's fantastic. So I have uh, one last question for you. And then we'll go into where people can find you and FlockJ online. My last question is we have people listening from, from all across the country, probably all across the world who are wanting to break in, who want to build the future, who, who want to build something that impacts a lot of people. And right now you're, you're, you're building a company that's doing it right. Like you, you just said yourself, you're, you're investing in people and helping them, helping them help themselves almost. So what piece of advice or, or series of pieces of advice would you tell someone? If they, they, they wanted to start a company, they wanted to, to change the world, build the future, what would you tell them is, is a good way to kind of like get started?
1: Yeah, I think there are two main things that I always think about. One is start now and the other is you're not alone. And I think so much of the sort of captive uh, reluctance to, to sort of get into uh, tech and sort of like being an entrepreneur or even being into, into tech sales is that gap in confidence. And I think seeing people who look like you, who speak like you, um, who've lived what you're about to live is the most reassuring and inspiring thing you can do. And it's as simple as just starting crudely in your first step forward. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be the thing you know that results at the end of the day. You're going to change your idea probably five or six times. You're going to fine tune it. After you change it five or six times, you're going to break it down again. And I think like to get through that journey, Um, holding yourself accountable, um, with others is really important and it's something we've observed just in terms of building accountability into our platform, right? Like the big reason I think why Fox is, is, you know, showing these signs of success is that we have individuals lifting each other up, uh, and giving each other confidence that they can do this. And then learning from people who look and speak and and sort of like, you know, be like them, say, Hey, I did it. Like, you know, it's possible. And here are some of the things I did and here are the ugly truths of it. And I'm not going to sugarcoat any of this to you. So I think not alone and start now are the biggest two pieces of advice that I can give you.
0: That is some fantastic, uh, fantastic advice. And I hope Um, everyone listening takes a piece of that or all of that and applies it to, um, to their startup or their entrepreneurial journey. My last question for you, Sean, is, uh, you're building a great company. You're, you're impacting, um, hundreds and eventually thousands or maybe thousands now of of people wanting to, to grow their, um, kind of grow their career. Where can people learn more about FlockJ? Where can people, and, and second, where can people get in touch with you on the internet?
1: Perfect. Yeah, so the best way to get in touch with us is flockj.com. It's like blue Jay, but a flock of them. And sending us an email, hello at flockj.com. Uh, we are so excited to engage with people from, as I mentioned, all over the country. I think that's one of the most exciting opportunities. And to sort of go back to earlier point around where, where we're going as a society in 20 and 30 years, bringing tech into. Um, to other places in the in, in the country outside of these concentrated pockets uh, from which it's sort of like birthed is a huge part of sort of our mission and bringing sort of all the, the benefits uh, of technology. So finding us on flockjay.com, hello at flockjay. Find us on Instagram, social media, the whole deal. And uh, we'd love to share more about what we're building.
0: All right. Well, with that, I really appreciate you coming on to the Forward Thinking Founders podcast. Definitely a value-packed 25 to 30 minutes of content. And I think everyone listening appreciates you coming on. So so thank you so much, Sean, for for hopping on and spending some of your time with us. Thanks, Matt, for having me and happy to do it. All right. And uh, thank you for everyone for tuning in. I will see you all next week for another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. Hope you all have a great day.